Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. in your life, you're going to be faced with a situation that the experts label as either hopeless, incurable, or impossible. And if and when that day ever comes, you'll be challenged to either submit to what the experts say or the insight, or you're going to have to appeal to a higher court. Right now, if you study the Bible, I want to to just point this out to you. The Bible is a picture book. God designed it as a picture book. And the imagery of Scripture is so rich. The, image, the imagery in Scripture is designed where God will, will, will say a word and he wants you to see a complete picture. God will say, for example, um, he'll speak of light. And uh, what he's really speaking about is truth or understanding. In this Scripture that uh, I, I chose to begin with, and this, this um, I could begin really anywhere, because this message is one of those messages. It says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And what the scripture is speaking to now, you look at this picture of light and darkness and say, what is God talking about? Normally darkness speaks to um, not knowing, but in this case it's speaking to the inability to see past what's right in front of you. Hopelessness. Nothing to look forward to. At the point that this was written, the people, when Jesus came to the earth, the people in Jesus' day believed that God had abandoned Israel. 400 years from Malachi to Matthew, God said nothing. No prophet came on the scene with a word from the Lord. No one came to be anointed or, or, or came to, as an anointed one uh, before the people of God. And so all they knew is what is the past, what they have lived on. There's a phrase in the Bible, the Bible says, I think it says something like, it came to pass. Everyone say, it came to pass. And then normally in that same setting, you say, you see something like, it came to pass after these things. Everybody say, after these things. The, the thing that you're going through now, it seems like the end of everything, but I promise you there's something, there's life after these things. There will always be life after these things. But we see it as the end all. And in, in, during the Christmas season, what, begins, what, what happens to many of us is we suffer from hopelessness because we feel helpless. Suicide is normally the, the, the outcome or the result of people not seeing past today. Let me tell you how it works. The enemy has set up a system where, where he could trap you in hopelessness to the point where all your days start to look alike. You, you, you lost yesterday, you, you're losing today, and then as that continues to progress, you start predicting that you're going to lose again tomorrow. And then you wake up, and of course, you get what you predict. And so you, you keep seeing yourself losing, and people start thinking, well, I'll just get a gun and shoot myself, and it'll be over. The mistake with that is suicide never takes you out of anything. See, see you are designed to be an eternal being, and so when, when, when people kill themselves, life doesn't end. You do understand that, right? You do understand that when you leave this body, that's not the end of it. Matter of fact, the physical part of our lives is the shortest part of our existence. You can live to be 100, 110. We celebrate that someone in the world right now, I think they say they're 140. 
That, I wouldn't want to live that long. You don't look good at 140. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to live my life. That makes sense to you? Scripture talks about length of days and long life. Will he add to you? There's a difference between length of days and long life. Length of days means I live a lot of days. Long life means I have life to fill those days. God help us if we ever if we begin to outlive our days. Or we have more days than we have life. Can you imagine being alive 20 years after you, you're done? You, you stop, your life ended at, at 60 and, and, and you 80. That's 20 years of, of what? Waking up to do nothing. It's a tragedy to be alive and have no life. You got it? And so what people tend to do, what people tend to do is they tend to, they tend to say, well, you know what, it's over, it's hopeless, and, and we act as if we don't have a God. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you today about the gift of possibility, how God gives us the gift of possibility. The people that sat in darkness, they walked in darkness, they've seen a great light. And light, you've heard statements like this, light at the end of the tunnel. What does it mean? It means there's hope. Say that with me, say there's hope. Your hope is something to look forward to. And so what I want to do, I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. I want you to follow these scriptures with me. I'm going to do the best I can to be as short as I can. That usually means nothing, but we're going to work on it. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, we, give me a new living translation. It says this. It says, for, uh, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Give me King James' same verse. I want to show you something that's interesting. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched. The, the word touched in the, in the Greek is the word sympatheo. Sympatheo. What does this sound like? Come on, I lie. What does it sound like? Sound like sympathy. That's what it's saying. It says we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our feelings of weakness, the feelings of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted. He went through what we went through, yet without sin. He, said, well, he, never, he was never tempted to do this. Or t-. There are only three points of sin, and they feel, the, they feel the same regardless of what the actual temptation is. Three high points, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Take the same resistance to resist no matter how it manifests. How many of you got that? It's very critical. It says, Jesus went through what we went through. Verse 16 says, based on that, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to point out some things before we get deep into the lesson. The Bible says we come boldly. The word um, means all our spokenness. We come saying what's in our heart, not biting our tongues, saying what's in our heart because the one we're coming to, number one, he expects us, and number two, he invited us. But what's important here, the throne is called the throne of grace. Undeserved favor. Undeserved, it means the God that's sitting there expects that everyone that approaches him don't deserve what they're asking for. But then he specifies, he said in the Greek it reads like this, um, that we may lambano. The word lambano, obtain, means to receive or to take. Everybody say take. Um, so the picture here is not of God um, holding back something and we begging him for it. The picture is of God holding something out to us. And, and, it's, and he's, he's actually baiting us saying, here, come take this. The word Lombardo simply means to receive or to take. You get it? And so the picture is of God saying, I'm offering you mercy. Critical word because mercy is never offered to those who haven't done something wrong. Matter of fact, in James chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says that mercy rejoices against judgment. So the people who need mercy are the ones who really deserve judgment. But God says, I want you to come to me and, get, and, and just receive. I'm holding, I'm extending mercy out to you. 
What does mercy do? Mercy gives you hope when you've earned hopelessness. In other words, the thing that's going wrong in your life didn't just happen to you. You caused it. It was a, it was a bad decision. It was a bad move. It was a bad investment. It was bad something. And I messed up and now I can't. I'm the one that messed up my credit. And God says, come to me and I give you mercy. You know, here you are. You're in a situation. I'm going to be real practical. You need a house. You need a car. You need whatever, something real practical, something real tangible. And you can't get it because of something you did in the past. Or they labeled you a felon. Or they labeled you this and they labeled you that. And, and, the, and the world says your life is over. And now you're living with their label. And you're hopeless because that's all you have. And people like you who are labeled like that can't do this and they can't do that. They can't go here. They can't. And here you are living with a label. And sometimes what we tend to do is we make up these, we, we, we create a fictitious life. Because our real life is so embarrassing. So we pretend to be what we're not. Are you all here? Because we're going somewhere with this. I don't want you to miss what God is about to say to you. You're living in a situation with a label that the world has given to you. And I'm going to tell you, if you, if you understand what, what God is saying to you today, he's saying, I've come to challenge your comfort living with this label. You don't have to live with it. He said, you could come to the throne of grace and receive, or you could obtain. Take the mercy I'm extending to you. you don't think, if you don't think mercy is powerful, let me tell you this. Israel is, is facing an invasion of a million-man army. The Bible says that the king went before the Lord. And here's what he said. He said, we have no power against this army. We are helpless before them. He gathered the men, the women, the boys and the girls. They all cried out to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the prophet. He was a musician, actually, in, 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 uh, amongst the, the choir. He, the, the Bible specifies he was a musician. And the, the spirit of prophecy fell on him. And he stood up. He says, the Lord says, you, uh, you won't need to fight in this battle. And then he tells him this. Here's the directive of the Lord. Put the choir in front of the, of the army and go out against them. But when they go out, they have to sing this song. See, we don't emphasize this. God didn't just tell them to put the choir in front of the army. God says when they go out, they must sing this song. These are the lyrics you have to recite all the way to the battle. For the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. Don't, he said don't say anything. Else. Sing those words any way you want it. Any way you want to sing them, sing them. But those are the lyrics to the song. Change the music if you want to, but don't change the lyrics. And the Bible says as they begin to walk out, exalting the mercy of God, saying how merciful God is, how God will give you something you don't deserve, even though you're the one that messed it up. You brought it on yourself. You see, with this, the story of Jehoshaphat was this. Jehoshaphat before had went out with Ahab, knowing that the Lord was angry with Ahab. And he went out there, and not only did he go out to the battle with Ahab, he allowed Ahab to talk him into exchanging robes. And so he gave Ahab his robe, and he put on Ahab's robe, and they were trying to kill him. He barely escaped with his life. And when he got back to where, to where he was uh, uh, ruling, a prophet met him and told him, Listen, the thing you did was foolish, and the Lord said, I spared your life. But although the Lord forgave him and spared his life, all of a sudden, his actions rose up, something out there. And here comes a million-man army across the sea because of what he did. And he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, I brought this on myself, but there's nothing I could do. And the Lord says, what I need you to do is to exalt my goodness and my mercy. Is there anybody in here today that says, Pastor, you know what? I need some mercy from the Lord. Yeah, because sometimes we do, sometimes we do dumb stuff. It seems like a good idea at the moment, but it's a dumb idea. He said, come obtain mercy. He said, there you will find undeserved favor. To do what? Look at the screen. To do what? What's that word? 
Come on, I need everybody helping me. To do what? To help. In time, God wants to help you. But here's what normally happens. We get to a place of hopelessness where we give up on life. Where we stop living. Where we start saying, you know what? This thing can't work. And so I, w- I want to walk you through some scriptures today. And hopefully in the next 15 to 20 minutes, I'll get you to the place where your eyes open. As soon as your eyes open, I'll know and I'll be done. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, therefore, it is a faith. Now, in the Bible, when you see a, 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 a word like it or a pronoun like he or she, you may need to kind of dig back and see what he's talking about. So when you go back to verse 14, verse 14 says, for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise. Everyone say the promise. The promise is of none effect. Now, this is interesting. So we know in verse 16, two verses down, he's talking about the promise because that's the it that he's talking about. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Verse 16. And it says, therefore it, the promises of faith, that it, the promise, might be by grace, to the end that, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Now, give me New Living Translation. It's going to make sense now. Go back to 15. It's going to make sense. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break, verse 16. And it says, so the promise is received by faith. Everyone say the promise is received by faith. faith. Now, watch this. The word faith means believing enough to trust. Say that. Say believing enough. Say it again. Say believing enough. So so if if you read that and add that in there with me, let's read it together. So the promise is received by believing enough. Read it again. So the promise is received by believing Come on, out loud one more time. So the promise is received by believing enough to trust. It is a gift. It is given as a free gift. What's it? The promise is given as a gift. The promise is a gift? That's weird. So my father had this thing that he used to do that I used to hate. We were teens, preteens, can't remember. And so what he would do, he would wrap things that shouldn't be wrapped. What I want for Christmas was I wanted what everyone has had. My friends had bikes. I want a bike too. We could go riding. I want something tangible. I want something bright, you know. And then you open, you go through all this wrapping, you open it, and, and he has like treasury bonds. Who gives their kids treasury bonds? And we stand there going, oh, this is nice. And it says U.S. treasury bonds. <laughs> You can't write it. You can't play with it. It doesn't make a sound. It's not remote control. So my father, what, he, what it was, was a promise. He put a promise in a box. And what he, the whole premise was, watch this, this is going to bless you. The bond had to mature. The bond matured as I matured. And by, he gave me 300 a day. But when I got older, the bond was worth 1000 but at the time that he gave it to me, I was a child in my thinking. I didn't want something I had to mature because I didn't want to mature. I want a bicycle today because my friend. And what happens to us, here's what happens to us, is that God will give us things that are promissory notes. They have to mature. It's a promise he puts in a box. And what happens to us, we go, what value is a promise when, I need, when I'm sitting in darkness? 
give me something to fix the darkness now. And what you miss is your father sees beyond your darkness. See, you think it came to stay. God said, no, it came to pass. God is saying, after these things, you're going to use this stuff after these things. As for now, I'm dealing with you as a mature son. And you can't understand it because you should, all you want is the gift of coming out. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. This is interesting. It says, so the promise is received by faith. How? It's received by believing enough to trust God. It is given as a free gift. Charisma. In other words, he gave it. It, it, is, it is the result of an undeserved gift. The promise is. He made me a promise based on something Christ did. I don't even deserve it. And here's what he said. And we are all certain, sure, certain to receive it. Why? Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, whether or not I get it right, I'm certain to receive it. Why? He says, only if if I can believe enough to trust like Abraham did. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. And then verse 17 gets crazy. Here's what verse 17 says. That is what the scripture means when, when God told him, I have made you the father of nation. Nations, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings dead things back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I'm going to show you something. You said nothing, huh? It's nothing. It's such a contraction. I'm going to show you something that's going to help you. Look at the first part of it. When God changes your name, he doesn't change your name because he wants people to be impressed. He's changed your name because he wants to change how you see yourself. And so the, the story here, of course, you know, Abraham, he was called the father of many when he was, wasn't the father of any. But the story that jumps in my mind is, this, is Solomon. David and Bathsheba come together in a way that is frowned upon. The prophet comes, he tells them what you did is wrong. The child that Bathsheba is carrying dies. 
David takes his guilt and his shame into the, into, the, into the temple. He cries out to God. God ignores him. The child dies. Then he goes back. He knows his wife. And God says, okay, now that you've made things right with me, now she, she can be your wife. But the child is, is born, and they name the child Solomon. The prophet comes back to David, and the prophet says, the Lord says, the child shall not be called Solomon. The child shall be called Jedediah. We call him Solomon. He is, this book is called Solomon. But you know what? In his house, he was known as Jedediah. Everybody say Jedediah. It sounds like a country name, something we'll name someone down here. But here's the thing. Jedediah means beloved of the Lord. Beloved of the Lord. And every time they sent for him, you know what they called him? Jedediah. Remember this, it was like this. His name is Jesus. But he shall be called Emmanuel. Name him Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sin. But they're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Sometimes God will name you one thing and they will call you something else. But the name that God gives you speaks to what God wants you to know about yourself. So you think it didn't make a difference? By the time Jedediah got old enough, his father died. And he went before the Lord and he said, God, I don't want nothing else from you but wisdom. You already love me. You already see me seeing me what others don't see in so much that you made me king when I'm a little boy. He said, I know you love me. Now give me wisdom. Don't let me be a fool. Don't let me do. And watch this. And God, the Bible says God gave him that and riches. And he had peace the entire time he was ruling. Why? Because of God changing his name. It's amazing. God tries to change your name and you try to hold on to the old designation that was given to you. You try to, you try to remain who you were when it happened. While I was laying in, in, in bed the last couple of days, I was, I was under the weather. Literally, the weather got me. And the Spirit of God moved on me to watch um, World War II, or history of World War II. It was interesting. I watched, I watched 14 straight out. Who binges on World War II? That's what I did. I watched 14. And let me tell you what I saw. Hitler was a mastermind. For all, say what you want to about him. He was a genius. But a couple of things I noticed about him being a researcher. Number one, Hitler always came up with a vision, and he was surrounded by brilliant generals. And whenever he let them do what they were supposed to do, he was unstoppable. Unstoppable. I watched this man walk through Europe, taking over major countries. And I'm watching, I didn't even know this. It's amazing what we don't know. You need to study history. I took the, you took the class, yeah, but you didn't study it. And so I'm watching this, and here's what grabs me. What grabs me in this whole thing is the only person in the world that could stand up to him and stop him was a man named Winston Churchill. He didn't move Winston Churchill of, of England. And I, it started to trouble me. It's, how come these other great nations could stop? But this man, Churchill, and whenever he would come after England, when Churchill was in charge, the weather would be bad or something would be off. Or something. And I, I said, wait a minute. So I paused the video. And I went online, and here's what I typed in. The Jewish roots of Winston Churchill. Because I said, this is God fighting for him. And guess what I found out? Winston Churchill's mother was a Jew. Isn't it amazing how you could trace a person, you could look at a person's life and see what's going on and say, ah, that's God. They must be in a covenant. And here's what I saw. When he tried to go, whenever he came against England, when Churchill was in charge, he lost. But when he tried to go against Russia... The first time he went in, a rainstorm stuck him in the mud. Then fog came. Then cloud cover. I paused the video again. And I went to research. 
What was it about Stalin? It wasn't him. I'm looking, I guess what I found? Many Jews had migrated to Russia. And it's amazing how, you say, Pastor, why is that significant? It's significant because Abraham, this man, who was, or God said, I, I call you father of many. When his, God made a promise to him, he put a promise in a box. And Abraham took the promise and he rejoiced over this promise. And for generations after Abraham died, wherever Abraham's children went, any nation with Abraham's name, God, and it's funny, God didn't do, God wasn't sending uh, hailstones from heaven. He was just causing it to rain at the wrong time. He was causing the fog to rise. The commentator made a statement. Here's what he said. He says, and winter defeated the Nazis. Winter? No, sir. It was the God of winter. It was the God who, who has the elements and who understands the weather. And all God was able, God, he sat back and just called for the little things he needed to stop this monster simply because a man received a promise in a box. It wasn't anything tangible. It was a word. <laughs> it was a promise. And, and I, I'm going to short, shorten this so you can get out of here because I know you want to. In Luke chapter 1 verse 28 is the story of Christmas. The Bible says Gabriel appeared to her. Well, we know who her is. And he said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And in verse 29, isn't it amazing how you could be in a situation, in this case that she was in, she was actually a peasant girl, and, and the, the Lord had to send a message saying, I'm with you, because she would have never known. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what, what the angel could mean. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, everybody say, I found favor with God. You have. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now look at verse 32. For he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Verse 33. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will, have, will never end. Verse 34. Mary asked, but how can this happen? Now everybody look at me. I want to help you out. Whenever God comes in to speak to your hopelessness and your helplessness, the first thing we do is we measure the promise of God against where we are. How are you going to do that seeing, for example, the Lord says, I'm about to bless you with a house, and here's what you, you tell the Lord. But my credit score is too low. I'm going to bless you with a new car. You know, i, I got to raise my credit score. Because, because in the earth, they tell you, if your credit score is not high, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you'd rather believe that. I'm going to help you out with something. I'm going to help you out with something. So, so, everybody said a long time ago. So a long time ago, I bought a, a T-Bird, and I love this T-Bird. I think, I think back then I was into car worship because I, I got the car, got out. When I, I parked it at home, and I circled it. I looked, looked at this car. It was dope. Jet black. Brand new model, body style. And so I, I would I, I park it, go in the house, find an excuse to go to the store, get out. You know how you do the first day. Drove this car. When the next morning came, it was time for me to go to work. I put it in reverse, and it wouldn't go in reverse. And I'm like, what's going on? And so I, I tried everything. My friends came. We pushed it up the hill to get out of the driveway. And I called up the dealership. I said, hey, the new car that you, I bought from you yesterday? I said, I said, your car won't go reverse. I said, so no, sir, no, that's your car. I said, no, it's, it's, a, it's a lemon law. It's, it's not 10 days old. It's one day old. They said, we can't take the car back. I said, the devil is a lie. It could go forward. I'm coming to you. 
So I drove the car down to the lot, pulled up, went inside, and we were at it. We eight hours. It took eight hours. What bothered me was a preacher sold me the car. I ain't gonna talk about that. Anyway, so 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 at the end of the day, the guy sits me down. He said, "Tell you what, we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna get this car. Uh, we're gonna." We're going to sell you, we're going to get, sell you a new car. I should have listened to what he was saying. We're going to sell you a new car. I said, no, no, I don't want you to sell me a new car. I want you to exchange this one like, like it was Walmart. I want you to exchange. And so what he did, he had me sign for the new car. And he said, this one is, don't worry about this one. This is your new car. So I drove, I drove off. I enjoyed this car for years. Then I went to get credit to get a house. And on my credit report was, it said this, uh, Ford Thunderbird, charged off. I said, what's a charge off? They said, the bank called it a voluntary repossession. I'd been had. And I said, what am I going to do? I came by the house. And here's what my financial guy looked at me and said. He said, sir, all you have to do is challenge the score. I said, what do you mean? He said, because it's on your credit report doesn't mean a thing. Challenge it. See, what happens to us is we live by headlines, and really God moves in the details. So the guy, I come back now. Now, here's the thing. I'm starting to rebuild some things, and I called Tim. I said, Tim, hey, I need to do some stuff financially. And Tim said, okay, we got, I got you. So my credit score was a certain number. Don't even know what it was Tim knew. And Tim said, ah, we can fix this. I'll get this done. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.